0: I, Charles the Fourth. is it the third? Bloody pain. We will strive for the deaccipation
1: of the crew. Let cr- me put pork. it to a river. Yes, you If you win run. by one, you oh, won. The, the phone went over side
2: the side. It is
1: time to try. I think everyone should be sure. What
2: the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon.
1: Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to the 50th episode of my podcast, where unbelievably, I still find myself having to ask the question even more now, what the fuck is going on? on? She's only been Prime Minister for a few days, and already she's giving away 45 Billion pounds in tax cuts to the wealthy and removing the cap on bankers' bonuses. At last, we have a leader with the common sense to look around this country and say, Do you know who desperately needs a helping hand? The rich, that's who. For example, food banks have increased by 80% in the last five years, and now we know the reason. The rich don't have enough for a decent meal, so they're forced to beg. Poor Rishi Sunak and his wife, they have to pop down every Monday to the food bank the co-op-owned brand cornflakes and a tin of spaghetti hoops. The volunteers at one food bank in Chelsea have to fight back the tears as every week they say, You don't need to feel embarrassed about having to come here, Mr Abramovich. But I feel such shame to come for tinned custard and other item, but all cupboard in yacht is empty. Don't worry, Petal. Here are some custard creams as a treat. But people such as nurses, they've taken all the money. All of it. Travelling from wall to ward in their speedboats, the spoilt brats, for too long we've put up with the disgrace of the disabled, depending on benefits of £90 a week. Now we can put that right by taking some of that off them and giving it to the board of British Gas. Maybe we should take their wheelchair away as well, so the chief executive can roll around the boardroom during meetings to stop himself falling asleep. And This is only the start. Give it another month and Quasi Quieting will announce there will also be a special tax relief for anyone earning over a million pounds a year who uses a poor person as a garden implement for example, by whittling their toes into a point and using them as a fork. Furthermore, we will introduce a new tax nomination scheme, whereby CEOs of major companies can nominate a bus driver from Preston to pay their tax for them. And Alf Nebworth will be on the telly going, I've got to pay Bernie Eccleston's tax. I mean, it don't seem fair. I only earn 400 pounds a week for driving the number 19 to Deepdale. But this has all come at The perfect time as millions of people are desperately worried about how they can pay their heating bills. And the greatest worry of all when you're freezing is that the CEO of HSBC can only pay himself a £5 million bonus at Christmas. This is the worst effect of cold and poverty. We all know, for example, how Captain Scott in his last diary entry from the South Pole wrote, my toes are literally beyond feeling. Such is the numbness that I would not know if they had dropped off altogether, but what ails me most is the torment that Richard Branson can't pay himself the eight million pounds he deserves to see him through January.' Now, one simple example of how the rich work so much harder than the poor is they have to learn how to pronounce foreign languages so that they can buy clothes and bags from Gucci and Louis Vuitton, whereas the poor, they only have to pronounce simple words like Primark and TK Maxx. Now, all of this is justified by Liz Truss because she insists that by allowing the rich to become richer, she will boost the economy and this is right, because we need them to rob all the money. Otherwise, they might decide to leave the country and rob someone else's money, and that would be disaster for us all. The whole country came to a standstill last week to watch the Queen's funeral, except we should point out that it wasn't everybody such as this woman who I heard on a phone-in
2: oh I'm sick of it Jeremy sick of it last Monday I went to the local shop there was a notice in the window saying closed due to funeral I banged on the door I said you can't all be dead I want some biscuits someone told me to shut up as there was a two minute silence I said never mind that I want some ginger nuts The post office was closed and all. I said, I'll tell you who's behind this. The bloody unions. They've all gone on strike. They said, it's the Queen. I said, don't tell me she's gone on strike as well. I expect that Mick Lynch has got to her. Next thing you know, they'll have to get the army into wave to people. I'm sick of it, Jeremy. And when I got home... The chase wasn't on. There was some new programme with black cars driving slowly to Windsor. I couldn't even tell who was winning. And where was Bradley Walsh? I suppose he's gone on strike too. And then they showed Westminster Abbey. It was full of foreigners. I phoned up to complain. They said that's President Biden and the King of Morocco. I said, oh, they let anyone in these days. Oh, I'm sick of it, Jeremy. Sick of it. What the fuck is good?
1: Now, no one who has ever ventured into the labyrinthine world, the mania of trying to find out what the fuck is going on, has ever been able to do it without expert advice from unique places. Nowhere, nowhere is a place more unique than the world of cricket commentary, test match cricket commentary. So I am absolutely Honoured to have with me, Mr. Dan Norcross, official BBC Test Match commentator today. Uh, how
0: are you, Dan? Well, I'm I'm labouring under a pretty terrible hangover, which was in part fuelled by you uh, and me. I mean, I, I, obviously, I've got <laughs> I've got to take most of the blame myself for actually raising the glass into my mouth, <laughs> pouring it down my throat, and swallowing yeah. it. Well, I was
1: waterboarding um, you with <laughs> uh, uh, with gin. So I suppose I am partly responsible. But to be fair, Dan, I have seen you uh, drink an equal amount after uh, a game in which one side has got 21 for one and the day was abandoned after
0: nine overs for bad light. So... yeah. Well, that would that, be because I had an awful lot of time to drink then, didn't I? Because, uh, yes, I so, yeah. and, and it was a bit similar yesterday. And, and I should say very quickly at the top, thank you very much for the fish and chips, which were extremely right. welcome to help soak up the... Uh, right, yeah, yeah. There the you are. Right, enough, it's the Christian tell. in me. Now,
1: yeah. um, so the first thing. Now, you may think good people sitting at home that the world of cricket and recent events do not necessarily coincide, but they do. Because... On one particular Thursday, two weeks ago, as we sit here now, um, you were in quite, a,
0: quite an important position, were you not? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I say important. It's never really important, is it, cricket commentary? But you're right. We, we were in a very peculiar position because, and uh, this will come as no surprise to anybody listening, but we were aware of the likely demise of the late Queen. Uh, no tonal change there um, because that's rather important and as luck would have it there had been rain and uh, so they hadn't gone out to play at this stage it was the first day first scheduled day of the test match and rain had come but then it had passed and normally these days without getting too technical they can tidy up quite quickly using a broom and a sponge and somebody wandering around you know blowing on it and it's fine But weirdly, they were showing no real inclination to go out there and play. And we knew full well why. Of course, many of the crowd didn't know because they weren't, you know, um, receiving messages from the high command back at base. So there was a lot of, you know, get on with it. And we all knew that that they weren't really going to be getting on with it because there is nothing worse at this moment, let us say. Let us picture the scene, Mark. So here's Anderson, Comes in, he bowls. He's got him edged! Gone! Pandemonium! We interrupt this broadcast to bring you some grave news. Her <laughs> Majesty Queen Elizabeth And Meanwhile, of course, people are listening on their earpieces and they're all flying around in the air in delight because the South Africans have <laughs> lost another wicket and suddenly they're not. So um, they faffed about for quite a long time.
1: Would you have to sort of... Um... But I think you'd be unflappable. she said cricket cricket commentators are unflappable. So I think actually it would go uh, and Anderson comes in and bowls now. We've just heard that the Queen has died and that's just pushed out on the offside and they're going to take a single. Uh, That's very well done. So um, bad luck to Her Majesty. But anyway, 104 now for three.
0: (laughs) Well, it would have been lovely if that had been the way it was going to work. But unfortunately, I believe we weren't going to get to announce it. So it would literally have just cut off. Right. But now you also, because we
1: were talking quite a lot yesterday about about the funeral. And I have to say, Dan, your take on this was, uh, was, I think, unique. Mm. And I very much respect you for it. Because I thought, right, this is what I thought. Generally, I sat there uh, watching it and was sort of in awe at the extraordinary organization of it i thought this is britain showing itself as a force we are strong we are mighty we are the same as we were this is what we did in india we have thousands of people the choir the people that march exactly in step the pallbearers that do it that little twiddly compelling thing the crown on the coffin the bagpipes Unbelievable, the age, the abbey, no matter what angle the camera goes at. Extraordinary, um, just extraordinary sights. And um, I was watching it with people who are not particularly monarchist, and we were all very much in awe at it. You don't entirely agree?
0: Well, no, I I don't. I mean, I feel very ungrateful now after everything (laughs) you've said there. Um, I really do, but... I mean, look, I'm a veteran of watching people walk slowly. I mean, you must remember. <laughs> for a start, I commentate on cricket, so there, there is no slower walk in the world than an umpire walking <laughs> to get a box of balls, thinking about changing it for another ball. That is the slowest walk in the world. But maybe you also- should have
1: been commentating on that then. And yeah, well, uh, yeah, right, they're be going to inspect the coffin at three fifteen. <laughs> yes
0: um it, it, what it was was that, that I, I i grew up very not massively dissimilar time to you and there was nothing more upsetting and innovating as a child than forgetting that it was trooping the color day so you had gone downstairs in anticipation of swap shop and it it's going to turn into grandstand or the test match and you know that's what got you out of bed you were really excited you eating a bowl of cereal on the on the sitting room you've got the telly on and suddenly there's people walking slowly in fancy dress mm. and there's no sport to it because you know there's no no team up against another it's just it seems pointless and utterly boring so i've experienced a few of them and i've got to say that i thought back in the 70s they were they were a bit neater they were timed a bit better right. i've got to say i thought they were a bit messy during the, uh, the funeral, there was there was a moment when look, it's it's safe to say that Liz Trust does make the gun carriages run on time, but at what cost? Because I felt they were slightly sometimes out of step when they turned. They didn't turn with that lovely rigid angular certainty you get in North Korea. Oh, now, well, do
1: you know what I'm getting? Right, yes, yes. it's North Korea. Now, two points there. First of all, it's making me realise that in fact, it would have the whole thing would have been even better. I think if the judges from Strictly Come Dancing had been been there, and what, darling, if they'd sat to stop at one point, darling, you were out of step. Your headwear was a mess. I wonder whether the poor queen didn't isn't turning around in the coffin and the orb isn't rolling down the mouth. Two. Boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, there is something, there's something else and increasing, at first, I thought this was a minority viewpoint, but here I will concede I think I'm in a minority. You don't think the Queen was in the box. Correct.
0: And I'll tell you for why. Um, <laughs> and and I, I don't in any way wish to upset anybody here, but if I was in charge of security, so let's let's picture the seat, hmm. we get them all together, you know, Rear Admiral Tufton-Buffton, um, Lord Stevenson, head of MI6, head of MI5, they're all in the big room and it's security day, Right. We need to plan what we're going to do for the security of the Queen. And so the first question you ask is, so what do you want us to do for security? And it will be protect the body of the late Queen. Okay, what would you like the coffin to do? Well, we'd like the coffin to move very slowly from the north of Britain down to the south of Britain, be seen by literally millions of people And then over the course of six days be put up in a big drafty hall while 800,000 people that we cannot vet wander into that hall and look around it. And I'd say, well, I think you've already got yourself a bit of a jeopardy here. So can I make a suggestion? What is that? What is that, Tufters? Well, does the body have to be in that coffin? Oh, Oh, so what do you mean? Well, can't we just put the body in a different coffin but parade that coffin for everybody to come and have a look? Because it's not open, is it? Oh, no, it's not open. And it's lead-lined. Ooh, it's lead-lined. So nobody can get into it. No one can get into it. So why on earth would you put a body in that coffin? It is, it is absolutely scandalous dereliction of duty if they did, is my view. I mean, if that's what our security services <laughs> consider to be a good security plan, to leave the most precious body open to the vicissitudes of a million randos that you haven't vetted, you're not but doing they gonna job, do though, What's
1: the worst they could do? It's a, it's a lead-line thing. You couldn't – if some one person had gone, oh, bollocks, I'm just going to jemmy it open with a screwdriver, I've got one on the end of my little pen knife, they wouldn't have been able to do that, would they? And they'd well, have been shot immediately.
0: What if they came into there, you know, and and they were like, I don't know, they had Semtex all over their mouth, you know, (laughs) stuffed into the gums, and they just made a dash because they were quite close to the coffin, made a bit of a dash for it and exploded. Then even a lead line. All right, well,
1: I, I will counter that then by what if someone who, and I quite concede that there are a lot of people who would do this queued up for 11 hours to see Her Majesty with Semtex over their mouth that somehow hadn't been spotted by a, a, another part of the security service the cheeks, that was even that more cheeks. lax. Oh, like Marlon Brando when he was in the Godfather <laughs> yeah, exactly, He yeah. put cotton wool in his cheeks. That's probably how he did it. Yeah. Semtex. and wasn't cotton wool. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> but they do that. And then they make a dive for it. Somehow the sniper misses them. They blow up the coffin with their mouth. I don't quite know where they're getting well, I mean, that. Well, I it's also wrapped it, around their body comes, as well. And everyone's like, oh, my God, that bloke's gone and kissed the coffin with his semtexy mouth and blown it up.
0: And not only that, it's empty. Yeah. Well, I'm... I mean, yes, at at that particular point, the ruse would obviously come unstuck. Yes, I I take your point. But better for that, you know, without wishing to get horribly crude here, better that than than the late monarch being exploded into tiny pieces all over Westminster Hall. I I think, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to see it from the point of view of security. Do you think
1: she's been buried somewhere and she'll be like Richard the 3rd and in 500 years yeah. someone will find her under a under an NCP car park. No, God, no. Thank you. Is there
0: anything we should mention? Well, your point? God, you've got loads of pot. You're on all sorts of
1: podcasts, aren't you? I
0: am, yeah. Uh, well, okay, very quickly. Um I want something called Zero Ducks Given, which was a bad pun devised by someone that wasn't me, with um England cricketer Stephen Finn and Toby Tarrant of XFM and uh, I do a podcast on um, something called 99.94, which is all about cricket, and you can hear me um, commentating on cricket I, m- maybe after this podcast never again. you never know, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> well i I can I can reveal to the nation that uh, yesterday Dan s- told me that his ambition was to uh, commentate in the Paris Olympics on the archery uh, yeah. so we've got to see if we can make that happen. Thank Please. you so much Now we know what the fuck is going on, Mr. Dan Norcross.
0: Thank you very much, Mark.
1: This week, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby were accused of jumping the queue to see the Queen's coffin. Now, I'm not an expert in queuing up to see a monarch lying in state, but luckily we have with us someone who is George Galloway. Let me put it to you, Philip. Schoolfield and Holly Willoughby. "'Your latest monarchical escapade "'comes as no surprise "'to those of us who are familiar "'with your tawdry, lickspital careers. "'Your anti-meridian antics "'on ITV's Good Morning, "'combined with your wheel "'of fortuitous arrows "'and guests of stupefying irrelevance "'are an insult to the intelligence of the working people of this country. Furthermore, your persistent refusal to interrogate more erudite invitees, such as myself, on the grounds that, and I quote, our viewers are not interested in coffee production in Venezuela, does you no credit. When it comes to the art of interlocution, you were certainly not first in the queue. That, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, is why I shall be eschewing your lickspittle. <clears throat> uh, repetition of lickspittle.
2: Yes, I'm afraid so, George. Repetition of lickspittle. Julian Clary, you have 12 seconds left to speak on Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby. Oh, wow.
1: Thank you so much to those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. In fact, it is indeed down to you that we've been able to find out as much as we have done so far. And we're well on the way i think a bit like you know some geologist in the 19th century that hasn't quite worked out the age of the earth but he's got a hunch i think we're at that stage if you would like to join these wonderful virtuous radiant people and get early access to ad free episodes for as little as two pounds a month just follow the link on our twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the f is going on that's all the bureaucracy even I could manage it, probably not, but if you really want to know what's going on for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches, and this week, Mike Concrete, who's a master at gently teasing out opinions, is going to be uh, talking to someone from the military, a, a very, very important interview, and you will get the chance to take part in our Ask Me Anything sessions, details of which are coming up in a few moments. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community as we are now officially called registered in the register of international communities. So here's a big announcement. We finally have a date for our first Ask Me Anything session. It will be on Monday, the 17th of October Destined to be one of the great dates in history. If you want to take part, all you have to do is become one of our Patreon supporters for £4 or more a month, and you'll be able to ask me anything. I don't know legally if I'm entitled to uh, answer it honestly and truthfully as if I'm in court. Maybe I do. Maybe now I've said that, I do actually have to swear (laughs) on on, the Torah or something. Uh, And... Ironically, of course, if you ask me, how would this Ask Me Anything Business work, I really don't know. But luckily, our producer, Mike, is a genius, and he's, uh, he'll, he'll work that. All that will be worked out, and then there'll be a, whoever wants to take part in it. You'll then be in a sort of little digital audience, and you'll be able to ask me uh, all, sorts of, all sorts of questions. And it could be about literally anything. Given that the number of things I know about are about one in 800,000 of possible subjects, you, you're going to have to pick something that, uh, that that I might be qualified to answer. I'm not selling this, am I? You know, like if you come on here and go, oh, I find that my engine, uh, when it's idling, it's running at about 5% slower than normal. And I wonder if there's anything you can do to try and improve the efficiency. I'll do my best, but I probably will end up resulting in your car catching fire so obviously not things like that but anything to do with the podcast or uh, no ask me no you can ask me anything that doesn't mean that i that i'm gonna know the answer but ask me anything you can do that and there we are has there ever been a more beautifully constructed advert for an ask me anything session than that that's on monday the 17th of October Monday the 17th of October let's get the month right oh I turned up a month late <laughs> now uh i should also tell you about some oh i've got some upcoming gigs there's one in kettering That's a huge place so uh if you're coming to one of the other ones uh come to the kettering one as well i don't know when it is look it up it's uh, they've put me in a great big place not the uh not the place with the sweary vicar that i often mention but Kettering, Kettering, that has a marvellous feud with Colby. So I, when I, I did an in-town show in Colby. And I wandered around the library, and a bloke come up, he was as friendly as you like, and he spent about 20 minutes showing me around and suggesting various books. Here you go, Mr. Steele, there you are. I think you've got all the books you need there to do your program about Corby. And I said, thank you very much, sir. That's so kind of you. You've been very, very friendly. And he said, yes, we are friendly here, not like those bastards in Kettering. And it, it's one of the greatest feuds in Britain. I don't know what the, the, the origin of it is, but uh, uh, it seems to be very real. Now, Kettering. Also, the in-town shows are now all, or by Monday night they will all be all the latest series. Nottingham, Tring, the Isles of Scilly, Salisbury, Paris, and lovely Newport uh, will all be up on BBC Sounds. On the, the uh, which you get on you know, the BBC Sounds, even are you just click BBC Sounds and up it will pop. So. Most importantly, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, uh, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. And I feel uh, the hand of history on my shoulder here as I answer some of these immense constitutional questions. Um, We've put some of these to Nicholas Witchell, He's sort of burying away, obviously takes these things very, very seriously. Louise Keane on Patreon says... This isn't a question, but I have no doubt you'd all be keen to share your favourite highlights from Her Majesty's funeral the other day, and I thought I would share mine. I think we all have our, I think we all have our favourite moments. Many of us will say the bloke with the bit of paper that floated onto the floor, and uh, that was quite early on, was not it? And I think quite a lot of us thought, "Oh, is this going to be chaos?" Because anyone, even if you were an ardent royalist, if it had gone horribly wrong. That would have been brilliant, wouldn't it? I don't say that as any great political sort of point, but it would have been absolutely marvellous if something had collapsed and caught fire, and someone had done the most enormous fart, Prince Andrew, and then then he was heard audibly going, "It wasn't fucking me." bloody was admit it for fuck's sake you haven't even got the bloody now you haven't got the bloody the military insignia and you're not bloody actually part of the royal family and you've been decommissioned from lots of your posts one of the entitlements that you have lost is the right to deny that it was you that farted in Westminster Abbey you nonce don't you fucking call me that and it all kicked off Harry punching William that would have been amazing wouldn't it uh but yeah well, we were we were denied that Nonetheless, we were we were entertained by a little bit of paper that I reckon millions of people must have gone, Did do you reckon that's his shopping list on that? All that. And uh, and then it was oh, then it was brilliant as the camera went away, someone must have gone, got a fucking paper off the floor. And then the the camera went away. And then when it came back, the paper was gone and someone, probably the equivalent of a roadie that runs on during a gig and then quietly while they're stooped over, sort of replugs the, the guitarist's guitar into the amp. The equivalent of that, someone must have just crawled along the floor, removed a bit of paper, probably gave a glare to whatever clown dropped it and, and they, they carried on. In their uh, in their magical way. Now, Louise Keene, on the other hand, says, I was at my local sports centre and there were very many tellies which were showing the funeral with the sound out. At the sports centre during the funeral, Louise, where was this? What heathen, anti monarchical, anti patriotic place? Sports centre was this, where they didn't know it was going well. I know she's dead, but there's no need to cancel the badminton. Well, it's, Louise says, I was at my local sports centre that uh, was showing the funeral, at least it made that concession, with the sound down and the normal, loud, high-energy music they normally play blaring out. During the funeral, this was going on. With people in the gym and that, as she was actually being lifted in her lead-lined coffin, there were people going... Yeah, yeah. The highlight for me, Louise says, was when the Queen arrived at Windsor Castle to the elegant strains of Bourne Slippy belting out "Laga Laga Laga Laga." It is in many ways what she would have wanted. I am astonished, Louise, that that was allowed to happen. And um, I, I well, God, I don't, I don't hold out much hope for that sports centre. I think that's going to be quietly burnt to the ground. Um. But thank you very much for that. Birda Stewart, another of our patrons, says, if Lindsay Hoyle can't think of anything that has ever been more significant than the Queen's funeral, perhaps Mark can. Now, this Birda, I believe, um, pertains to Lindsay Hoyle, the speaker. So someone who has a critical Part of our constitution if you can call it that that sort of i think he's from preston or something like that isn't he or blackburn or one of those sort of places order 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 that guy and he said and this wasn't just made up because i looked at the clip and it's actually him saying it on sunday morning television he says the queen's funeral this was the day before that he was saying it the queen's funeral will be the most important event that the world will ever see. But you've actually understated it by saying the biggest event that's ever happened, more than 9-11, more than the Second World War, more than Darwin's theory of evolution, more than the Renaissance, more than ancient Greece and all of its educational (laughs) uh, outcome more than any of that more than Columbus more than any of that but more than anything in the future anything now as a good Christian that means he must believe that there will be a day of judgment the second coming the Queen's funeral was more than any of that at the end of the world when the day of judgment finally happens and all souls are committed to one place or another, Lindsay will be there going, yeah, but it's not as important as when Queen were buried." I mean, bit of paper floated on floor that day. Note like that's happened here, is it? Prick. Now, finally, and this is a, a very, very important matter, a very special thank you to this week's star Patreon supporters, we are going to read your names out, like they, uh, like like they would in Soviet Russia. You are, you are the workmen of the of the week, you people, you who have contributed to an eighty nine percent increase in tractor production over the last week. All hail to the marvelous Matthew Statham, to the wonderful Neil Harrison, and the glorious Sam's. St- Tunes, if that is indeed your real name, thank you very much to uh, to the three of you for signing up as a new ten pound sign ups. We are indebted to you, and there we are. I hope that's all contributed to you knowing what the fuck is going on. Now it's always the case that if you want to know what the fuck is going on, then you need the voice of youth in your ear, but. Oh when you've got a new Prime Minister and a new monarch, everything is upside down. You are discombobulated to an extraordinary degree. And so I can only be thankful that some years ago I bred someone who is now capable of furnishing all of us with the ideas of the youth. Elliot Steele. Hello. Uh this well, this is the first Time in my life, I've had a new monarch, and only the forty-third time in two years that we've had a new <laughs> prime minister. What do you make of it all? Is your world turned upside down? Um, well, no,
3: because democracy is an illusion. Oh, so we don't really like. I think like the system that we have isn't actually representative of a of a true democracy. Democracy because, is
1: an Illusion is a line in a Primal Scream song. Did you get it from that or Chomsky? Uh, I'm going to go with Chomsky. <laughs>
3: okay. It sounds more impressive. I think I think I was I was saying the thing with Chomsky is like the way the left celebrated the last few weeks with the Queen dying. When Chomsky dies, we're really going to have to let the right have their fun with it <laughs> on Twitter. We can't we can't kick off about that one. It's, it's only fair. No, Chomsky is the left Zatmberer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He if when he goes, we've really got there. You know, Darren
1: Grimes can tweet what he likes about it. It's fair enough. Uh, but. The- There'll be loads of people saying he's not really gone. It'll be like Elvis,
2: <laughs>
1: and then he'll be like, "Nah, he's alive. He's still fermenting dissent in South Sudan."
3: <laughs> but I think, I think with Liz Truss, it, it we're finally getting to the bottom of, of like just how how like I, I I can't really explain it too well, but. We've run out of people who can keep the mask on of no, we've got to steer the ship in this direction, you need to you know pay your taxes the, the, all of this stuff is relevant. we need to have another war you know you look at um, Tony Blair, who I'm not a fan of at all, he was brilliant at convincing people we should have an illegal war in Iraq and Afghanistan
1: yes Ms.
3: trust couldn't do that she could no. she's not she's not. But that's what the job of the prime minister
1: is to do. Well, Blair, yes, yes. I think if we can, if I could just interrupt there, I think the difference is this. Blair came up with a very convincing, and it was convincing for a lot of people, set of documents, a dossier and so on. That Alistair Campbell, along with him, came up with this, all of these, this evidence that we know wasn't evidence about Saddam having weapons of mass destruction and so on. Liz Truss would probably draw that in crayon <laughs> on a, on an A4 piece of paper with like a round bit with a bit coming out the top and bomb written on it <laughs> and and going look what he's got and sadly I think thirty five percent of the population probably still go along with it but
3: yeah I, so I think I I think with you know like Liz Trust if you're MI five or you're MI six and you're like, we need to stage a false flag attack to convince the prime minister to do something, you now go, oh, we don't have to go that far. We don't have to do any of that stuff. We don't need to kill Diana or anything like that, we can just go into Liz trust and just leave a note under the door that says, and, she, and act like she found it. And she's like, oh, my God, I've come up with this great idea, guys. That's all they have to do now. They don't have to do any of The deep state doesn't have to do anything anymore because they – But right. she's For not the record, be able- can
1: I just say that I don't believe that the deep state or any other state – killed diana but it's fun to believe
3: in it It, it's fun it's magic it's like santa claus it's 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 just fun (laughs) to have it there
1: oh do you think that's what it'll be in the future do you think when kids get to about eight their parents will go now mummy and daddy we know we know that you've sort of probably been thinking this but it's time to be honest Prince Philip didn't murder Diana. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought so, Daddy. I know, darling. I think,
3: I mean, <laughs> oh, the yeah.
1: magic's gone. Yeah, I man. know they have to know, but the magic's just <laughs> gone for me now. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a Fia Uno driven by someone paid by the Duke of Edinburgh. I know, I, but I I think with Liz Truss,
3: she's she's not got the ability, and and this is the problem with where the conservatives, the conservatives have gone wrong. He's like, you know, like people who listen to this podcast, uh, some of your fans, always accuse me of being right wing because my entire really? stance. Yeah, because my my whole life isn't just going fuck the Tories while smoking a roll up, <laughs> uh, which is literally what ninety percent of people over 40 in the left do, just having a roll up, going yeah, man, but fuck the Tories, like that, like what? that. Uh, yeah, that's what they no, do. They, they don't. They are just having a rollie and they're going yeah,
1: man. A roll fuck up. The no, they might have had a roll up twenty five years ago. They don't have <laughs> a roll the the up Tories, now, man. Fuck the Tories, man. Because they just oh, you know what I, uh, sort of a. St-
3: Stereotype what they is that do. come up
1: with a better one than That's that? That's what
3: they do. The left wing they
1: sit there and they're are they, are they all from like... Liverpool as well. No, they're not from Foch Liverpool. And man. From, the they're from Tories, over, they're, from, they're, they're from from literally robbed us blind. They, they're That's they're all from, I can afford is me fucking here. and they want to run <laughs> that off me, mate. That's what they want to do. And it's, 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 is that it's, what
3: the left are like? No, is it no? I listen to what I'm saying. It's just there's a branch of the left whose entire entire ethos is like, well, fuck, fuck the right wing. Like whatever the right wing do, fuck that. And you go, okay, that can't be your stance because what is your alternative? I lived under a Labour government for the first years of my life. There was an illegal war in Iraq. They deregulated the banking system so much so that anyone was able to get a mortgage because they had 50 pence in their account. Right? They were then, uh, the banks were quite happy to do that. That all happened under a Labour government. Now I'm never going to be able to own a home unless, because of the rising sea levels we're all ignoring, because we allow uh, oil tycoons to send money to the parties, Labour and Conservative, there's going to be so much water damage to a home, I'm finally able to afford it because it's underwater. <laughs> that's, that's what. Uh, it's, it's, so when people are like, ah, oh, the alternative of Labour. It's not an alternative then there's no alternative so I think you've got to look at the wider system we live under and you go all right having a what is basically a two-party system in this country and I think that's going to change massively from the next election where it's going to fragment and split the the, the other side isn't an alternative if your only option is we're not them that's not an option. That's not enough of an argument. So oh, I agree I don't, with you there. I don't feel excited that Liz Truss being in charge and her being stupid and stuff, yeah. But like, who's going to come in next? Ah, oh, Keir Starmer. And what? He's going to have lobbied and had to get a load of money because that's part of the game. And he's going to be in the exact same position, except he's just going to be like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're not the Conservatives. And then it will be that for 12 years. And then we'll go back to conservative.
1: Absolutely. Well, It's always good to end on an optimistic note. And I think the world needs inspiration in these troubled times, especially as the weather's turning. And I, I'm so, so glad that we could end. I wonder, really, if, if only Shakespeare had thought of those words, he might have started. He might have put that in the voice of Henry the. The fifth, but well, oh, yeah, sadly, you start never with had... nostrils flaring and once more oh. into the breach.
3: Yeah, yeah, it never ended in tragedy with Shakespeare, did it? <laughs> it was always such a beautiful, <laughs> be- oh, yeah, Hamlet, where everyone, oh, yeah, no, we've all talked this through and it's all worked out. Nobody has to, nobody has to kill themselves. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. The last five hours of theatre is fine. We've resolved it all.
1: <laughs> yeah, you made a good point. Thank you, <laughs> Elliot Steele. What the fuck is <laughs> going Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then it, by law, you have to absolutely write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod, And we will look at every message that is sent. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Dan Norcross and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. Produced by Mike Benwell. What the Fuck is Going On was brought to you by... WTF Productions.